Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. We like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and we like to do that in the world of sports, of music, of comedy, of books, pastors, great testimonies, and uh, no disrespect to anybody else, but I always like to say I love the comedy ones, and today we are joined, as my name is Jeff, we are joined by a Jeff, Jeff Allen, who I'm connected to, thanks to Jeff Jenna, who has been on here before, wow. he's become a friend, so lots of Jeffs. Yeah, Triple J, man. Yeah. That's great. Do you have that happen, Jeff? I had that happen to me a decent bit where like three Jeffs end up in the same room together and we joke about this this threefold Jeff thing. Does that happen to you much where you're with two other Jeffs? Well, I haven't uh, I don't run into many my uh of with my name. It's it, it's interesting, but the nice thing about it is there is a G E O F F, but that's so rare. And they're know? wrong. I, I feel sorry. My wife's name is Tammy, T-A-M-I, mm-hmm. and everybody spells it T-A-M-M-Y. And I always feel sorry for these kids who, whose parents take a normal name and then they just Butcher. screw with the spelling. And then the rest of their life, they have to correct people spelling their name, you know? Yeah. No, it's Alicia with a W. <laughs> you know? Okay, so I got to ask you out of the gate on that one. Have you seen, I'm sure you have, the Key and Peel comedy bit they did a number of years ago on their show where they were in that classroom and they had all the names were definitely pronounced way different and much more urban. Oh, A-A-Ron. A-A-Ron, yeah. That, name is, we always call him A-A-Ron. Yep. Balaki <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. That was hilarious. Yeah. Those guys did, did some great, great sound bites. My poor son's not, he's never been the same. We, we call him A-A-Ron so all the time. He is Aaron? He is Aaron. Oh yeah. man, that's fun. What a great yeah. thing that is. So we met briefly, and like I said, we, we talked ahead of time. It's not like you're going to remember this, but you came to the uh, school my youngest son now goes to. My daughter will start attending next year, Emmanuel Christian Academy. Years ago, you did a show in the gym at that school. I think the guy who now runs the school was my pastor at the time, and I think he helped bring you in at Emmanuel Christian Academy. I heard your bit. You were great. You did a number of things. And you have uh, bounced around from venue to venue in some different spaces that we'll get to a little bit later. But give us kind of the short version, maybe the three-minute version of you coming to Christ, Jeff. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I got married, and uh, I was a drunk, I'm an alcoholic drug addict. And then uh, about a year into that, I got into a 12-step program. They said to pray. I said to what? I didn't believe in God. That just set me off on a journey uh, through books, mostly just kind of looking to understand what the, they meant by the whole higher power thing. And after seven or eight years of just, we almost got a divorce. Matter of fact, we just finished a book on all of this. I met a guy on the road and he literally loved me into the kingdom of Christ. He um, was a Bible believing Christian and we would have these discussions. And I was, I think I was reading Ayn Rand at the time. Mm. I had just kind of given up on the, that God ever, you know, I'd, I'd ever get that. 
and decided that I would just try to be a better person through, um, you know, philosophy and whatever I was reading. So anyway, um, uh, Ecclesiastes was the first sermon I ever listened to. And uh, Solomon summed up my eight-year search, meaningless, meaningless, all in life is meaningless. And um, I just leapt into the Bible after that. I felt if that was true, which I felt it was, because it really summed up my eight years. I mean, Tammy will tell you, I was a nihilist. I mean, I had come to the conclusion that nothing mattered. And we were getting a divorce at the time. We had filled out papers, had them notarized. and So we were in a bad place and a perfect place for God to come in mm. and um, capture my heart. And he did full uh, full bore, jumped in, studied the Bible for about a month and a half. And I, I remember getting on my knees at my friend's house and saying, you know, Jesus, if you are who you claim to be, I'm yours. Wow. And um, that was it. I just, uh, and I said, you're going to have to take my life, my career, my, I mean, I'm a, I was a mess as a husband, as a father, as a comic at that point. I, I just, I didn't want to work. I was sitting on stools, staring at the floor. I remember sitting in a hockey rink in Grand Rapids, Michigan on a Saturday night, late show. It's probably 400 people sitting there. And there was this long pause. I'm just sitting, I couldn't talk. And I finally looked up and said, why are we here? What's the whole point to this? And pin drop, you can hear a pin drop. And some little voice in the back said, we just want to hear some jokes. <laughs> I go, that's legit. That is legit. I said, you're right. That's a reasonable expectation at a comedy club. And I'll do my best. And it kind of brought me out of the funk. But I remember the, uh, the club owner calling my agent at the time and saying, man, he's gone. He's out of it. Uh, he's not even funny anymore. He just, uh, you know, but I just wanted some answers to some uh, of the harder questions. You know, what's, why does it matter? And I wrote a book on it. Uh, it's coming out in September called, are we there yet? Mm. And it really is about just every time I would do something in recovery, I wanted to be finished. I wanted to be there, whatever that was. I mean, there was no definition of what there was. I mean, it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that I realized what I was really looking for was just some peace and quiet in, within my head and my body. I just, I, that, that was the gift overnight. I remember waking up the next day and there was something different about me. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And then it hit me. Oh, yeah, yesterday I gave my life to Jesus. Is this what this is? You know, again, was just completely lost of, of, of devoid of anything you know tammy would say why doesn't you know why can't you you know use us as value or you know and I go, what if you get t-boned at a red light you know i mean families die every day i mean i i just wanted to know why anything mattered that's all so that was it that uh you know they say uh, every belief system has to answer the four questions origin meaning morality and destiny so where did I come from? How does that give me any meaning? And how does that define morality for me? Where's, where's the foundational for that? And then destiny, where, you know, when we die, do we go anywhere? Is this it? Is, are we worm food? Are we, you know, and um, Christianity and Christ answers all of them. You know, I know where I came from. I know why that gives me meaning. And then there's a, certainly a moral system connected to it. And then destiny, you know, are we there yet? You know, this isn't our final resting place. You know, we have to pass through. And what year was that when you made that decision for Jesus? Oh, 97, uh, 817. I was going to start a production company called it 817 Productions, August 17th, 96, probably, I think it was. 
So now you know what's funny about you saying about throwing the date in and being willing to name your production company out of that is I just saw Mac Powell in concert, who used to be the third lead singer for a third right. day. And he's got a song out. Uh, I never heard it. I guess it came out a couple years ago called April 21st, 1991, I think it is, or 92. And it's about the day he got saved. And I thought, man, how clever. Now, granted, he's a super talented musician. Yeah. But I'm like, he's writing a song about his testimony. How cool is that? Right. That's great. Yeah, to me, you're born again. That's my, you know, on the birthday, you know, August 17th. You know, I stay, you know, I got one for AA, you know, it was um, September 29th, uh, 87. So I've been 35 years sober. 817 is when I got on my knees in Texas. And uh, I'll never forget that. I mean, the next day it was, I mean, it was, you heard this saying lightness of being, and that's kind of what it was like. I mean, I just, it was like this burden that was lifted off me. It's hard to explain, but it, it there was this, obviously something different and so different that I would sit on the end of my bed and go, wow, what is, what is different? This is this, I've never felt like this. Yeah. You know, I realized when I was doing a little prep work for this, that you're celebrating year 45. That's amazing. 45 years this year since you started comedy and that was not, yes. not quite the halfway point. So you've kind of been following Jesus over about almost 60% of your career. Right. now. How much has comedy from pre-Jesus to post-Jesus, how much has that changed? And is it radically different? Is I mean, you you obviously have promoted for quite a long time clean comedy. So where does that whole thing well, come from? It's funny. I, in hindsight, I'm, you know, you look back and you go, you know, look, you know, there are people who believe that you know I was predestined to be a Christian and Christ just they needed to get my attention or you know I don't know. But a couple of years before um, the the Texas conversion. I was called to school. Tammy and I were called to school uh, because my kid cussed at his teacher. He was in fourth grade. She couldn't even repeat what he said. Wow. And I, I looked at the teacher and said, look, I'd love to look you in the eye and tell you I have no idea where that child heard that kind of language. But, you know, truth is, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to clean things up. And driving home that day, Tammy said to me, she goes, it's really not attractive on your children. So we need to... Uh, clean it up you know so i decided at that point i wonder if i could do my show clean as a storyteller you know so i started just cleaning up i paid my kid a quarter for every cuss word he had and uh that he heard come out of my mouth and um i put him through college <laughs> <laughs> there's the comedy yeah so Anyway, he uh, uh, it it uh, we cleaned it up and uh, and then it was it was actually fun to work, fun to work after that. It really was. And it, it wasn't was, fun uh, before. It, well, no, actually, uh, believe me, you know, I enjoyed it when I started, and then probably after I got married, I had about a year where I really, and then those six or seven years, it was just a job. I mean, it was hard. It was hard to do. I I was not enjoying it, and. You come to a, a point in the and when you realize, you know, I would look out in the audience and realize the audience never got older. I did. I got 15 years older, but the audience was the same age going to comedy clubs at that time. And I couldn't draw an audience. So it was just babysitting, you know, mm. strangers and drunks, you know. And um, when I got saved and we moved to Tennessee and everything was working out, I was in, I was in Vegas on 9-11 and I called my agent my manager at the time you know and i said i need to um 
I need to find another place to work. Uh, I can't be in these clubs six, seven days a week now anymore. I can't do it. So I said to my Jewish manager, you think churches would hire me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were the blind leading the blind. He had no idea. I had no idea. I'm not, you know, I, I wasn't raised in church. I had no idea what church was. So we put it out that I was willing I was willing to work churches. And in the first year, I did one. Wow. Uh, when, yeah, when your resume is casinos and nightclubs, pastors are a tad hesitant to give you the pulpit for 45 minutes. So uh, it was hooking up with Bill Gaither, the singer. That really kind of his stamp of approval on me gave people permission to hire me, and that kind of started uh, the ball rolling with the with the faith side of what I was doing. But then you've kind of been intentional in recent years to go back the other way, right? And I think I saw her that somewhere that you went purposely back to going to clubs to kind of go back and minister to that crowd, right? Well, I don't know. You know, yeah, it was kind of like. Um, that's a side effect of it. I uh, I said I wouldn't go back to clubs till I could draw my own audience. And there was this, you know, when Dry Bar hit and those videos went viral and the phone was ringing, we decided to give it a shot. And I was I started going out on Monday nights and Tuesday nights. And we were drawing half to two-thirds of a house, and it was all older people. It was an opportunity because it was my audience and I realized that a number of church people were coming. That was the the question we had as a, as a as an organization: Would church people go to a nightclub to watch to watch a show? <laughs> Initially, we got some pushback, and uh, now that the book is coming out, I have an opportunity now to really, really do some sharing because I don't want to blindside the audience that are non-believers uh, because it's it's all about our faith. So the book is, it's solely about you, kind of your testimonial? Yes, it is. It's uh, the first six, eight chapters is, uh, you know, who we were. Wow. You know, yeah, I always tell audiences, if you get through the first six, six chapters without killing yourself, it's actually an uplifting story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it was, uh, Tammy, it was interesting. Tammy read the first, you know, I, after the second draft, I said to her, you need to read this and you need to make changes. Uh, where you disagree with me or or um, something you want taken out or an example is um, at our lowest point she was having an affair that's how the first chapter ends is um, when I found out about the affair and I had uh, told her to get home she was in California and we were living in Phoenix and I had said get home now as you imagine I was angry which wasn't unusual for me but um, anyway, uh, she couldn't come home that night. She was devastated. And I had one night alone with me and, and God. And I didn't believe really in God. But I tell you, in hindsight, you know, when I read about Jacob wrestling with God, that's exactly, I mean, I, every time I tried to get righteously angry about what she was doing, that little voice would remind me of something that I said or did or heard. Or, you know, I, I was vicious with my tongue, vicious over those seven years. By the end of the night, I went from how could she to how could she not. I mean, I didn't blame her at all. I mean, I'm shocked she waited seven years to seek comfort from somebody else, you know. So I picked her up at the airport the next day, and this is how the chapter ends. You know, I put a, put my arms around her, gave her a hug and a kiss on the cheek, and she says, that's it. Like, that's all I got left. I'm exhausted. We're a mess. We're an absolute mess. And as we were driving home, I, I looked at her and said, how did we get here? And that kind of is the rest of the book. It explains 
when you marry alcoholics and drug addicts and broken people get together, uh, we, we kind of fit in our, you know, we, we look back on who we were. We refer to us as those people, you know, and Tammy read the first two chapters that I wrote. She goes, she put it down. She goes, I can't read anymore. We were just horrible people. And I said, that's the beauty of the book, Tammy. Mm. Jesus makes us new creations. We're we are a new creation. We are not those people anymore. We we hadn't been for years. So so did she come to Christ about the same time you did? Yeah, you know it's interesting. You'll have to talk to her. I made the mistake one night of kind of doing her testimony, what I thought it was, and she got really angry at me. And I went on stage the next night and told the audience I was on a cruise ship with the Gaithers, and I said I I overstepped the boundary last night. This relationship with Jesus is personal, and if you want to know her story, you have to ask. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't. So, but she. Uh, my, my only question is: did, Have you guys grown at a pretty similar rate with each other? Oh, sure. Uh, when I first when she came home, she was out of town when I committed my life, and she came home with the kids for school, and um, she was gone all that whole summer. It was about two weeks. I, I was going to church, you know. And uh, she just looked at it as just one more thing. I, I tried everything. I mean, New Age, Buddhism. Sure. I mean, so this this thing. And I told her, it took me two weeks, three weeks to finally tell her. I just, I gave my life to Jesus. And she says, what does that mean? And I said, well, I, I'm to love you as he loved the church. That's what I was told. She goes, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, he sacrificed his life for us. Mm-hmm. We're the church. So I'm to sacrifice for you. And she laughed because she knew how selfish I was. Anyway, her only question, she she immediately blurts out, so if the children die tomorrow and they don't know Jesus, they go to hell. Our children are going to go to hell, right? And I said, Tammy, look, I, you know, I, I'm just new at this. I said, heaven and hell are not my domain. You know, I said, I just, if you don't want to go, don't go. I'm just going to take the kids with me on Sunday. And it took her probably two weeks, three weeks, you know, and then she came to church with me. And I'll tell you when she, you know, it's funny. I used to share this. It's kind of funny, but it's not. I mean, you know, Paul had his road to Damascus conversion, but Tammy said two things really stood out where she knew there was something, something different about me. One was the car broke down as it always did. We had a 1987 Oldsmobile Cutlass, you know, that was just always breaking down. And it broke down, and that was normally an invitation for me to feel sorry for myself and go off on it, some kind of tirade, smash something. Or Anyway, the car breaks down. I sit there for a second, and I turn around, and I said to my oldest son, hey, why don't you come walk with me, man? I saw a gas station about a mile or so back. We passed it. And Tammy goes, is that it? I go, yeah, it just hit me. I don't know why, but mechanics pray, too. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and it's a wonderful system he set up, isn't it? You know, um, our car breaks down, we fix it. They use that money, maybe come out and see a show of mine. I don't know. But again, it's not my, you know, that was one she said I couldn't believe because in all of our years, I would have, I would have just went off. Yeah. And then the other one was when we sold the house, we owed the IRS $50,000, $60,000, some huge amount of money. And they took all of the all the money we made on our house. And the uh, escrow lady said, I got bad news for you. The IRS has taken all of this. And I said, that's okay. The only thing that matters is sitting at this table. And uh, Tammy said, for the first time in, my, in our marriage, I believed you, that we were a priority. Yeah. yeah. See, and nobody... that's all on Jesus, not me. I mean, 
nobody could argue testimonies and change lives that you see right up play out right in front of you. Right. Well, that's it. They say who you are at home as a man is who you are. I mean, you can make all the professions of faith you want at the pulp and the pulpit, but when you're living at, at home and believing the kids pay attention, everybody pays attention that knows you. So how did how did this book come into being? Did somebody encourage you to write it? Did a publisher reach out to you? Did you want to write it? How about it come into being? <laughs> Tammy been pushing me for fifteen years to write a book. Really? And uh, if we ever wanted to get into an argument, I'd come back from the golf course and tell her, "You know, I shot seventy today. How much have you written on your book?" And then we'd start an <laughs> argument. <laughs> I go, wow. "Not a word, baby. Not a word." I used to tell her, "I'm not a writer." I'm a talker. I'm not a writer. And anyway, last year I was at the National Religious Broadcast, NRB, in Nashville, and I did a little 10-minute set for uh, Salem Broadcasting. And what, I didn't know it, but the guy backstage was uh, one of the one of the way up the food chain at Salem. So anyway, they uh, so we started a process. That's all. They they hooked me up with their publishing arm, Regine, Regine I think it is called, and. Um, I sent them a bunch of stuff, and they said, uh, yeah, let's give it a go. So anyway, uh, we um, finished it the last draft about a month ago, and then we met with publisher, and they said, this is good. And uh, uh, now we're just finishing up with, um, you know, I don't know if you know who Andy Andrews is. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Andy, Andy wrote the foreword for the book. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and uh, I'm putting together some friends of mine who write blurbs and so September 5th is the release date. and He's had a little success, uh, Andy Andrews. Yes, he has, especially as a writer. And Andy's just such a, a, a an old, dear friend of mine. that um, Yeah, he's been trying to get me down to Orange Beach for the longest time. Oh, he's not in Nashville? He's in California? No, he's in Orange Beach, uh, uh, Alabama. Oh, wow. Okay, I thought he was in Nashville. So ultimately, your wife Tammy is the one that kind of is the, the, the birthing point of this book. Yeah, she kept pushing and pushing it. And then the last draft, she went through. We, we spent about 40 hours over three days going through everything line by line. And, and she made me take the word affair out. She said, affair gives you, the the reader, the belief that there was some kind of love and romance involved in this thing. And there wasn't. She said, I just, again, she shared publicly. I'm not breaking anything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but she shared publicly once. And it was really powerful. She came out and she said, I just wanted someone to tell me I was pretty and I just wanted someone to be nice to me for, you know, and you know, I tell men all the time when I do men's retreats, you know, it's not, you know, it's not difficult, man. Just grab her hand every now and then at the mall or just remember, you know, that you, you married her because she was just a knockout gorgeous thing, you know, you, you know, and just re remind her yourself of that and then you remind her of that how, how important that is you know i do a joke in my show where i say she to this day she'll walk in a room some nights and i lose my breath i'll just go oh my god and how gorgeous she is and i go well not all the time i'm not a freak you know yeah well let me ask you about that so this is something i deal with a lot and it's funny we're talking about wives because I'll, I'll be i'll be vulnerable moaning on this um you know when i when I feel like there's something wrong or off or can be better in our marriage, and this came about through a conversation I had with a good friend years ago, I have to ask myself the question, if I'm going to get real honest with myself and say, am I pursuing Kara's heart? And I would tell you almost every time the answer is no. In that right. moment, I look at it, season of life, that moment, that week, usually that season of life, and I'll say, 
I'm probably not pursuing her heart. And it takes that tweak from Holy Spirit to say, all right, I got to step it up. And it usually starts with going to the right restaurant and getting a date. And yeah. Yeah. So you resonate that much. Oh, it's not much. It's funny. I had a guy the other day, just, well, it's probably over a month ago now, but he said, I was complaining that, uh, you know, things were getting a little tense at home. And he said, uh, how much time have you spent with Tammy? I go, what do you mean? I'm on there, but with her, you know, not in the same room, not in the same house, but with her. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you probably spent half the time with her, with her, paying attention to her, as you did on your wedge game, things wouldn't be like, you know, and, and he was right. You know, I mean, sure. I went home, I apologized to her. I said, look, I've, I've, I've been absent. Even though I've been home, I know I've been absent. And um, what do you want to do? Is there anything you want to do? So I took her to Ikea. She she mm-hmm. loves Ikea. <laughs> so we drove down to Memphis, about a three-hour drive. And wow. uh, just spent the, spent the day walking around Ikea. And uh, we got home. She threw her arms around me. She said, thank you. I know that was probably like getting root canal for you. Wow. <laughs> did you eat at Ikea or did you eat at Central Barbecue? No, we ate, um, oh, we ate at Dave and Buster's. I've never eaten there. It was actually pretty good. Oh, uh, no Swedish meatballs. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. We got burgers, but uh, we, um, we're we going out. Uh, when I get done here, I got a taping for Dry Bar uh, this week and um, we're going to go. I let her dress me for television <laughs> Do you? So, uh, okay. she, she's in her she's in her element she's gonna find me a jacket and a shirt and whatever you there know. you go so well if you play yeah. the uh angela johnson comedy bit routine at all which friends of mine send me because they know how much i believe in this myself you know angela johnson has a great comedy bit where she yeah. says as she's getting older she just buys clothes at the same place she does her grocery shopping and does this little costco soundbite thing that i absolutely love because i love costco Yes. Have you seen that bit? Yes. No, I have not. I, uh, I, I, I actually bought her nail salon bit on uh, Apple iTunes. And yeah. Ran, and drove home and played it for Tammy right away. I, I, yeah. So I'm familiar with her. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to send you the Costco soundbite. It is hilarious. It's so, and I love Costco, so I, I get it big time. But let me ask you about that, Jeff. So in the, in the comedy world, and these are just people that come to my mind. Yourself, our friend Jeff Jenna, he's really talked up Henry or Hank Cho. There's an Angela yes. Johnson. There's Mike Goodwin. There's Brian Bates. Uh, now, he's the one guy I'm getting ready to mention has gotten big, Nate Bergazzi. I'm pretty sure he's a believer. Yeah, is, yeah he is. Is there, yeah. is there something special? I mean, like when you and Jeff Jenna go play golf, is Jesus kind of quickly, freely coming into the conversation? Are people are people seeing what you have in each other in this world of comedy that's got to be doggy, dog bite, you know, the tough, challenging world? Does does Jesus really bring something extra special more than the, the, the handful of bankers who are together or the athletes or the doctors or whatever? Well, it's interesting. You know, I've known Jeff. 40 years i've known him longer than i've known tammy uh we we went through we did a lot of drinking and drugs together you know uh we we got sober pretty much about the same time and um there are times in the course of a round of golf that um conversation breaks off into some more serious stuff but for the most part i always used to say that the golf course and the airport are two places i tend to forget i have a piece that surpasses all understanding mm. <laughs> 
I have a hard time sometimes with with my if I'm not playing well, you know. But uh, as time has gone on, I've gotten to the point now where I like those deeper conversations. You're on with someone for four hours. It's just nice to not talk about you know work or um, uh, but just what what are you reading? You know what books are you reading now and things like that. So yeah, I don't know. You know, in comedy, my audience a lot of them are churchgoers. So like last night I was in Detroit and I was sharing about the book and I said, I just didn't want to blindside anybody uh, that is, that are, you know, it's non-believers. But um, I said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my relationship with Christ and half the room applauded, you know? So uh, I figure, you know, I made them laugh for almost an hour. I've earned the right to take five minutes and say, you know, look, this is the most important thing in my life right now, you know, and uh, I wouldn't be, I would not be here. You wouldn't be here uh, watching me if it wasn't for that relationship. So how do you think that works? Like, I know for me, particularly, like, I love music. I love sports. I love comedy. I'm loyal to who I'm loyal to. I would say as I get older, I'm almost more loyal to the right comedian over a sports team because sports teams to me anymore it's about players change so often coaches change i tend to follow the player yeah. and the coach more music i love music but things change or whatever are you finding you're getting what you hope to get by going back into the bar scene and you're developing a new audience or whatever or are you just finding a lot of the church folks are following you to the bar i think it's uh it's that i i think that um again there was this debate would I be able to sell? Because the market for me is, you know, a lot of it's faith. But then, you know, a lot of the secular world, they're they're tired of the gratuitous language and stuff. And again, it's people who like my age that grew up with, you know, you know, Cosby Carlin was always clean on television, you know. And um, I don't know. It just um, I, I people are tired of the politics. I don't do politics. You know, I make a couple cracks, but it's not anything, you know. You know, it's just a night of what I call fluff. It's just, you know, I'm a distraction for an hour, mm. hour and a half out of your life. Yeah. You know, and it's good to laugh. I mean, I had people, you know, especially coming out of COVID. My gosh, I had uh, these older couples would come over to me and just like the husband with tears in his eyes saying, it's the first time I've heard my wife laugh in a year and a half, you know. Yeah. COVID was hard on people and it really was. So do you appreciate that as much as I do? Like I'm 53 because I have a great appreciation value for comedy. I will say that, you know, I've heard in church world, people will say one of the great equalizers that brings people together is worship music and just music, listening to it, singing it, raising hands, whatever it is. I think there's something about watching people laugh. Like my wife and I went, this was kind of cool. So Heather Land was on here, if you know Heather Land at all. She did a show in Columbus. She invited us, left us tickets. We went. My wife didn't know much about her other than my daughter and I had seen her on the Annie F. Downs live uh, tour for her podcast. And my wife was, the first half to two-thirds of the show was not fully tracking. And then Heather Land has this part where she gets into mammograms and pap smears. And my wife lost it. I mean, for like 10 minutes, she just kept saying two of her best friends would eat this up. She wishes they were there. She loved it. And I get great joy out of watching my life. My wife or good friends, or whoever, just laugh. And there's not many things that bring me more joy than that. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. When Tammy's like, I fell in love with her laugh, first thing. I opened my, uh, I'm going to open my dry bar special with that. I uh, I fell in love, I met my wife at a comedy club, fell in love with her laugh long before I saw her. Mm -hmm. 
She was a smoker 37 years ago, and smokers have great laughs. When you cannot get oxygen into your lungs, that is music. <laughs> All that gagging, wheezing, gasping, oh, you know, that's how I Oh, oh my gosh, it's a woman and she digs me. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> there you go. so what would Jeff Allen at this point in his career say to 21, 22-year-old Jeff Allen getting started back then as far as, I, I'm going to guess, I mean, I, I know Jeff Jenna's story fairly well. I don't know that he was seeing himself do it as long. I mean, are you, you know, would you say, I better speak into his life for the long haul for endurance? What would be your wisdom you would pull out and push uh. his way? Find Christ now. Now. You know, don't have, don't live, don't be forced on your knees. You know, it's wow. funny when you read that verse, every knee will bow, or, or knee will bend, and every Amen. head will bow. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I got, I got brought to my knees by my own self inflicted. It was funny, my son, my son Ryan, he's going through some really bad stuff. Also, you know, it's self inflicted. And um, anyway, I, I sat him down one day and I said, you're looking at the king of self-inflicted <laughs> wounds. I mean, you know, I said, some of us are just stubborn and pigheaded and you're, you're one, of them, one of them, you know. And uh, so Jesus will be there when you knock. And uh, he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You know, and uh, so we pray him. We're praying for him every night, him and his wife, you know, but um, some people just have to. So what did C.S. Lewis say? Suffering was God's megaphone. He's, mm -hmm. you know, if you're suffering at some point, you have to look and go, you know, why, why, and where is this coming from? And um, you know, for me, it was all self-inflicted. I mean, uh, you know, I couldn't complain and be a victim. I did it all on my own and sober. I was sober the whole time. So, you know, it's interesting. I don't remember a ton about when you were in Springfield that time a number of years ago, as far as content or what all you share. You you had a kind of a meet and greet type thing beforehand I was at with some pastors and people they had invited, you know, probably donor types or guests that the school really wanted yeah. there. But there's a maturity about you that just like, I, I don't remember thinking that as much then maybe I'm more mature. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> you know, Tony Evans years ago had a sermon one time where he really talked about our job kind of being each day, whatever we do, we go to work, we come home, we call our pastor and say, what's on the kingdom agenda today? You seem to me like a guy who has a focus on, God, what's the kingdom agenda? Is that overstating it? Is that fair? Do you do you hear that about yourself and think, yeah, I think that's fair about me? I don't use those terms, but I always, my prayer in the morning is, let me get out of your way and just open my heart and mind up to whatever your will is today. Mm. And then the serenity prayer, grab me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And then... I also pray for patience and peace, and uh, I know everything. If I'm patient and, and I'm at peace with whatever circumstances are around me, then, you know, things will be fine. And I lose sight of that, and, um, you know, that's when I get a little snippy, snotty, you know, with with uh, Tammy. And, you know, it's interesting, our marriage, you know, it's, um, I'm sure all marriages are like that. You just go through seasons of, sure. of where all of a sudden, you know, I, I, you know, it is, it's, you know, and, and then I realized, you know, I gotten away from my studies, my Bible, you know, I'll put it down for a week or two or whatever, as long as I'm just picking, you know, I think what I'm going to do, and I, I said this the other day, one of our associate pastors lives near me now, and we're, we've been playing some golf together. And I said to him, I said, you know what I think I'm going to do? 
I've never done this. I've always heard that you you know, you should memorize scripture as a as a defense against mm-hmm. the lies of the enemy. You know, I've never really because I have a terrible memory. You know, never really sat down to. You know, but I just did a movie that'll be out in the fall, and it was a big part. So I had to memorize all those lines, and I never I didn't really have a problem with it. So I can memorize things. So I'm going to memorize a script a verse a week for a wow. year, 52. And then I'm going to, I, you know, just take seven days every day, meditate on that one verse, you know, rather than trying to, you know, I knew, I knew a pastor in Texas that memorized the entire book of Romans. Yeah. The entire book. He knew it by heart. And I thought, Holy cow, what does yeah. that take? You know, it takes daily in the, you know, get up in the morning and sitting from six to seven o'clock or whatever his time he told me it was, you know, he gets his cup of coffee, his wife's still sleeping and he sits and he just would meditate on, on the word, on that thing, you know? And I said, how did your life change? He said, I was just a lot more patient with people, you know? Mm. It's not this thing. You know, I always tell audiences, if you follow me around for a couple of days, you'd think, well, there's nothing special. And there is nothing. Yeah. But if you knew me 30 years ago, you know, you'd go, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, I was a stinking lunatic. I mean, you know, it didn't take much. You know, somebody held me up for 12 seconds at a red light, you know, and then I'm ready to rip the steering wheel out of the thing, you know. So it's it's, that's the gift, you know, that's what Jesus says. I I, I offer you a peace that surpasses all understanding, you know, I mean, you, you won't understand it. You know, AA says the same thing, that if you stick around long enough, one of the promises is you'll intuitively be able to handle situations that you never could handle before. There'll, there'll be a, you'll have a new, basically, it, it's it's a spiritual program and that you you invite this, you know, the Holy Spirit in. And all of a sudden, after four or five years, you're just, you know, things happen and you go, wow, they, four years ago, I would have been in a fist fight over that. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, your, the pastor friend memorizing Romans. Just imagine memorizing Romans eight. If you only did Romans eight, that's going to take you a long way. Right. right. I think we're living Romans one right now. It's oh, interesting to yeah, me. There's no I doubt. Wish I, I wish I, I might take it and memorize five or six verses from there because it's so profound in that it was written two thousand years ago. You know. And it's so apropos to today. I mean, it's like, you know, we, this is humanity is not difficult to figure out. You know, I just heard a speech from Tucker Carlson over the weekend. He spoke at the Heritage Foundation and he talked about child sacrifice. He says every civilization has at one point or another performed child sacrifice. It isn't just the Aztecs, wow. you know. And we're in the process of, you know, America's, you know, been doing it since 74. I mean, it's, you know, and uh, I mean, it really was when you think about it, you go, it's funny how humanity just continues to go the way humanity goes. Yeah. I laughed and I told Tammy, I said, wouldn't it be interesting to find out when you get to heaven that all those dead planets up there were former Earths? They were all former places and God just plunks two human beings down and fills it with animals. And says, "Well, let's try it again." Mm. And then two, three thousand years later, we wind up just incinerating the place. Yeah. And, and he starts it on another ball, another rock somewhere out there in the universe. You know, it seems to be 
human beings, if you study history, we just, and the only thing that made us different was we had a foundation of a moral foundation that was built on that book. You know, and you think back to 60s when we took prayer out of school. And if you want to look at the violence in this country, you know, I remember my parents went to see the movie Psycho and my mother came home so disturbed. It was the most violent thing she'd ever seen on film that shower scene mm. and my mother was just and i and i you think back of how that would be prime time today they would yeah. just show it at seven o'clock at night and, and for family entertainment yeah you know well you're right you and, pick up uh, romans 118 and, and go read for about seven eight verses you're going to say that's right now there's no doubt about it so hey i want to encourage you on something when you talked about the memorizing scripture it sounds like you have not started that yet if that's true no, i haven't Knowing our yeah. friend Jeff Jenna and knowing what, how much he respects you, I'm going to nudge you. I know how much better people are doing things if they have a partner doing it with. You ought to nudge Jeff, and you guys should do that together. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I can pick one one week. He can pick one the next week. He would jump on that. Just, he would jump on that, I bet. But I, you know, now that you mentioned, I think he would, and I think you're right. Doing things as a team, you know, Ecclesiastes talks about it. Yeah. Two are better than one. That'd, you know? that'd be cool. Yeah. I want to hear yeah. about this. I want to hear that you guys do it. Okay. That's well, cool. it'd be great if you, next time we talk, you can go yeah. right, give me a verse. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> well, hey, let me, let me, let me move you to these rapid five questions we do. They're kind of quick hitting, fast paced, whatever type of questions. Right. So um, just, well, first thing that comes to your mind. So, Jeff, what's your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Cocoa Puffs. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I've ever had a bowl of those. Oh my God! I used to I used to go through a whole box. My mother would buy one box a yeah. week, and I'd go through it sitting. I would eat the whole box. You'd wait till about day five yeah. or day six, and then would know she had another one coming. One. I was an addict for day one. I never had the ability to delay gratification yeah. ever. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever had. Them. I've had Cocoa Krispies a lot, but I don't know about Cocoa Puffs. Um, That's what Tammy had, and she loved the chocolate milk. Uh, so besides yeah. the Bible, besides Are We There Yet? What is the favorite book of yours you most like or want to gift to other people? Can Man Live Without God, Robbie Zacharias. Oh, wow. Wow. That was his uh, lecture at Harvard University. He was the only, at that time, the only evangelical, I believe, to get a standing ovation after that talk. Wow. And that would be an interesting book. book to read right now in light of his, the, his recent yeah. stuff. But, you know, the truth is the truth. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, I, I, again, you know, it's like you can focus on whatever you choose to. I, you know, you can't take away his work. Yep. You can't, you know, and he was a very influential person on me in that um, I went to a summer institute one year. And then the following year, I, I had met some people there and they asked me to speak and do my testimony at the next summer institute. And uh, I had a chance to go down. I drove down to Atlanta to see him. Foxworthy was uh, opening for him at the um, theater there. They had a little debate with somebody. Uh, I, I loved him. I loved his work. I loved everything about him. And the fact that he was a sinful man, I you know, aren't we all? Yeah. You know, and I just can't, if you really allow yourself to think, you have to know that in his quiet times, he struggled and wrestled and and beat himself down i mean you know well truth is truth help. truth is truth yeah it stands yeah. regardless of how it gets there so let me ask you this one this right. is a very important question your answer to this one jeff I've, you've traveled enough you have to be able to relate to this one uh, so family do you have grandkids 
I have four, yes. Okay, so let's think particularly when you're with your grandkids. You're vacationing. You're you're thinking, okay, I know where we're going to stop, but about five minutes before you're going to stop, you know, grandkids, whatever, say, hey, I got, grandpa, whatever they call you, I got to go to the bathroom. So you're stopping at an exit, and you're like, well, we're not stopping again. This is the exit. And you see these three restaurants. Which one do you go to? McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger. Wow. Probably in and out because Tammy's not a big fan of Chick-fil-A. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. an in-out burger, you can't go wrong there, right? No, that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, she, uh, uh, I love Chick-fil-A and um, Tammy's, uh, yeah, she likes Zaxby's better. Okay. So, I just had, I don't yeah. get, I don't get down south very often, but going to Asheville Last week, I did get me some Bojangles. And what I love about Bojangles is oh. they throw the pimento cheese, if you want it, on your sandwich. So give me that oh, wow. country ham yeah. biscuit or the chicken biscuit with some pimento cheese. I'm a pretty happy That's camper. Master's. Yeah. Master's sandwich is pimento. That's there you great. go. Okay, let's ask you this. What is the movie, Jeff, if you're either going old school flipping channels or you're streaming and you stumble across this movie, what is the movie that gets you every time? Longest Yard. Is that Burt Reynolds? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I never even watched the uh, the, the remake. Okay. I, there's no way. Okay. No hesitation. Yeah. You know it. Not at all, man. I and, and Caddyshack is right there too. I I used to watch Caddyshack when I drove home. You know, at night uh, I would put it on the iPad in the in the in the car. And Tammy goes, yeah, they're going to find you in a ditch, and they're going to hear Bill Murray talking. Oh, <laughs> that's know? funny. Wow. So, no, I glance. I know it so well, and I just glance at scenes that I know are coming there that you just go. crack me up. That's cool. Yeah. So, Jeff, who was your but, first uh, celebrity crush? Wow, you know what's interesting was um, probably Farrah Fawcett. Not yeah, the first that, time that answer has been given here. But uh, it's funny, Jennifer O'Neill. Remember the uh, the summer of forty two? I do not. Are you old enough? I'm fifty three. Yeah. Now I'm probably missing that one. You're not. Summer of forty two. Jennifer O'Neill came out. It's just, just stunning. And uh, I'm doing a show for um, ministry that was uh, ministered to uh, media people, really hardcore, cynical media people. And they, they would bring on Christian testimony. And I wasn't the testimony that day. I was the comedy. So I'm doing comedy. And then a couple minutes before I leave, I start talking about what I'm going through. And it was hard. I mean, it really was. I was... And again, this is kind of the genesis of the book, Are We There Yet? I just wanted to be done with my recovery. I've been at it for years, and I just was having a rough rough go of you know, being sober and all of this. And Anyway, I break down and start crying at one point. You know? And again, these are hardcore. You talk about discomfort. There was a lot of discomfort in the room at that point. Anyway, I just, you know, I finished up. I said, I'm sorry I put you through that. And then I leave, right? And I get off and Tammy leans over. She goes, you know, Jeff, you got to, you'd share our life with a bus driver. You know, <laughs> I mean, you got to stop this. And right when I'm ready to leave, guess who gets up and walks over and gives me a hug? It was Jennifer O'Neill. Get out of here. And she, I'm kidding. And she says, I know exactly how you feel. Wow. And I told Tammy, I said, that was, that was God sending a messenger over. And of all people, Summer, she goes, who's that? I go, you have no clue who Jennifer wrote. I said, 
every kid my age fell in love yeah. with her. <laughs> She's a beautiful woman. I just saw a picture. Now, how long ago was this that this happened, where she came up at, at, after your Oh, wow. Long Probably time? 15 years ago. No in, way. In Nashville. So you knew as yeah. soon as she came over, it was her? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I knew she was in the room, too. I mean, it was, oh, you know, wow. she, again, those celebrities, when they walk in a room, they, 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 people, they, people, I heard Clinton was like that. Bill Clinton walks in a room and it's just, he's, he, every eye goes to sure. him. You know, he wow. just had that charisma, that kind of charisma. But, well, that's, that's but not... again, just to have her come over and just go hug and just yeah. go, I know, and whisper in my ear, I know exactly how you feel. I've, thank you. I've never I had that. I've never had that kind of response to asking that question before, where someone could tell a story about one of the people they're telling about a celebrity crush. So, yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, the book is coming out. You said September. Are we there yet? Yes, September fifth. They can go on uh, Amazon and pre-order it. Just uh, go to Amazon and type in "Are we there yet?" It'll come up, and they can pre-order the book. That yeah. would be kind of cool. When does the movie come out? What's the movie called again? It's, it's called My Seven Grandmas, and it's an <laughs> independent faith film. And uh, it's a uh, kind of a comedy. My wife of 42 years passed away in January. We live in Minnesota, so you can't bury people in January in Minnesota because the ground's frozen. So you have the funeral in May, and uh, my daughter comes in with my granddaughter in, uh, to bury their grandmother. And... Um, turns out I got, I'm just loopy enough to where the two sisters get together and go, somebody has to stay here and keep an eye on dad. And my granddaughter doesn't want to stay in Minnesota. So she tries to hook me up with one of the seven old ladies at the library that she's hanging out at. So she has this plan that um, if I can just get my grandfather married off, then I can go back to California. So wow. anyway, it's a nifty little premise. So I, I don't like to tell people how to do their job by any means of imagination, especially a comedian. But I do have a pretty good joke based on what you just told me, what you just said right there. You should tell people I got this movie coming out. It's called My Seven Grandmas, Long Pregnant Pause, and say it's going to be on Lifetime Movie Network. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I, mean, can you, that no, movie, I don't think it'll get that far. I think it'll be on YouTube. That but, movie, uh, though, it, like, can you imagine that movie title on Lifetime Movie Network? That's That's pretty funny. Well, it's kind of that kind of a, a genre. It's uh, it's a feel good thing. Well, you know, Lifetime so. Movie Network is not feel good. That's where all the affairs and all the crazy stuff happens. So, if it's about you and your seven uh, grandmas on Lifetime, that'd be pretty crazy. So, the other plug I'll make for you is July fifteenth. I'm going to come to one of these shows. You're at Westchester at the Funny Bone. July sixteenth, you're at the uh, Funny Bone in Columbus at uh, Easton. Oh, Easton, yeah. So people oh, want to know about I like that. To hear that. Yeah. I'll play some golf with Mr. Jenna. Yeah. Maybe Jeff will, uh, uh, I can't pay him what he's worth, but I always ask. I always give him the opportunity to come up and do 15, 20 minutes in front of me okay. if he wants to. Well, we talked about, uh, I think we talked about, we knew about that show. And we said, maybe we'll try to go together to see you in Westchester. So, um, will your, yeah, that'd be cool. Will your book be available at the shows yet, even though it's not technically out? No, it won't be available until September that. 5th. Okay. But uh, we're, um, again, we're trying to, get some momentum sure. to pre-sell it. Okay. And uh, we were number one in Christian humor uh, a couple weeks, few weeks ago on Amazon. Great. We'll promote that. I don't know that. if, uh, but, and it's not a, it's not a very funny book. Sure. So, an idea of Christian humor, the state of it. So. Well, we will help promote that thing away. So Jeff, it's a treat having you on. Appreciate the, all the effort and thanks for Lenny making it happen and Jeff Jenna making the uh, nudge to you to get on here and uh, hopefully I'll see you in July. Yeah. 
All right. That'd be cool, man. All right. Much fruit and many blessings to you, Jeff. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.